This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. There he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Uh, good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave in the Nolan Law Studio in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida. So, Nolan Law, as you know, with 50 years of experience, is the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida. We won't back down, and we're protected by, of course, uh, crime prevention, cpss.net. Anything you need from a doorbell camera to, you know, knowing where your uh, neighbor's doing, I guess. I don't know, man. Everybody's on camera nowadays. And, of course, our mugshots with McDaniel, Maurice McDaniel. And uh, 50, 30, I don't know, an ungodly number of hits each month. So make sure you're not on there. Um, but we <laughs> we wish you the best. Um, oh, a lot of things happening, of course. I appreciate you all tuning in and watching on Wednesdays with Ted Yoho. Uh, we we uh, plan on doing that for a foreseeable future and bringing you kind of uh, discussions from somebody who's actually been there in the halls of Congress. I've been to his office. Uh, He's always been a wonderful host. Uh, he's frustrated about uh, Washington, D.C., and we're going to cover a little bit of that today. There are amazing parallels between local things that happen and national things that happen that are almost uncanny. And um, I want to start out, first of all, by reminding you that you can start this early voting as of August 13th to see today is the 11th. So uh, you'd have a couple of days before you start. Frankly, I'm against early voting. Um, I think we all ought to show up on the same day in person uh, with our ID and vouch for who we are and express ourselves. Um, early voting is a nightmare. It's very unmanageable, particularly when you have uh, all the things you see we've been through. And uh, so anyway, nevertheless, early voting begins and ends on August the 20th. And um, you may also, of course, uh, do some other things that allow you to vote, mail in, this and that. I'm not going to get into all that. You know where I stand on all that. So anyway, pay attention. Do vote. I suspect voting in some of the races is going to be pretty heavy, uh, particularly the school board. And I, and I think if you can vote, then the city commission of Gainesville. So those races are really got a lot on the line, to tell you the truth. And, and, you know, it could be the same old, same old, or you could, really go down the wrong path, or you maybe could make a uh, course correction. We'll see how it works out. Um, the uh, whole world of voting is upon us. It's going to be here, and it's going to be piling up. So you want to stay informed. You want to uh, use the Word Scott files to stay informed or to message me to see if I can help you. Uh, I get people every day just about ask me about ballots, and uh, they're not very well informed. They want me to help inform them. You know, um, of course, I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not a woke culture guy. So if I give you advice, I'm going to be steering you away from the so-called woke culture, which I think is really uh, untenable and bad for the country and the community and the whole nine yards. So 
Nevertheless, early voting starts August 13th at 9 a.m. And there's several places you can find where you go to do it. Uh, Millhopper Library, I think the library on Tower Road, um, et cetera. Check those out. The um, interesting thing I want to report to you now is um, almost call this show today prosecutorial misconduct. And I, I witnessed something that I alluded to uh, last week. Uh, I went to it personally and saw it with my own eyes. And it's a bit of follow up. And I'm, I'm going to tell you now what my last understanding was. And if, it's, if it comes out, it's a little bit different since I received this last understanding fewer than 24 hours ago. I'll certainly stand corrected. But I do show you uh, in my vicariously here through my comments uh, what it was like in, in Judge Kolaw's courtroom, Court C, uh, when um, 3C, when uh, we brought in a kind of a, an amazing situation that, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have believed if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. Um, as I said, I, I thought when I saw this uh, um, battle between the attorneys, my call liars, you know, and that's kind of my joking term, but maybe it's not so far off the truth sometimes. <clears throat> and I'll tell you why this story submits, uh, uh, supports it. Um, the attorney arguing against the Drotos attorney was turned out to be the state attorney. And a guy named Omar, I can't say his last name. I call him Omar the tent maker. You know how I am. And, you know, if you if you show me any any kind of foolishness, I'll have to come back with a name for you. So Omar the tent maker and Barney Fife, whose name I think is Decker, uh, they were really for the state attorney. And I've been I've learned since that really Kramer should have been there himself in a situation like this, because Kramer is the one who's bringing the charges. And all of a sudden, some things fall into place. There was Grotos attorney and all they were arguing for was tell us what we were accused of so we can defend ourselves. Well, you talk about mumble jumble and beat around the bush. Um, that became out of, that's, that come pouring out of the mouth of Omar, the tent maker. Uh, well, we've sent it to them. We've sent it to them in files. Well, Droto subjected, you know, files. We don't know what in the files you're calling um, uh, uh, trade secrets that we're going to be charged for stealing. Meanwhile, you know, Kramer is the one who's charged them for stealing trade secrets. So, but they can't define them. So right there, you're sitting there in the, in, the, in the courtroom and you wonder, what the heck's going on here? And so the judge even begins to wonder what the heck's going on here. And finally, out of frustration, really, in the gobbledygook that was coming out of Omar the tent maker's mouth, why suddenly, you know, Kolal says, listen, what would you present to a jury as a trade secret? Can you, tell, can you tell us that? Well, Omar stumbled around on that one. He really didn't want to have to answer that. <clears throat> he wasn't going to tip his hand. And meanwhile, if I'm the attorney for my client, Drotos, how am I going to defend my client against something I don't even know what it is they're charging him with the theft of? So this is becoming more and more bewildering. And I'm observing and I'm thinking, wow, you know, is this the way it works? And meanwhile, guess who's paying the state attorney, Omar the tent maker and Barney Fife's uh, salary? You are the public, the taxpayer. But guess who's paying Protos's attorney? They are robbing, if you will, their children's education fund, whatever else they've got. So here is what else is unconscionable. 
by being lacked and less than forthcoming, and it's all there in public record. Uh, so you can you can you can check out what I'm saying. By being less than forthcoming, you're running up the attorney tab on the civilians who don't know what they're charged with. <clears throat> Excuse me. Who don't know the specifics of what they're charged with. And the tab goes up and up and up and up. So finally, Kohl says, listen, by date certain, present, print it out too. Don't give it to the uh, Grotos attorney in some uh, 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 internet file or anything. Print it out. Print it out. Just as you would show it to a jury and do it by, and he gave him about a week to do it. Well, now, I'll let you sort of speculate on what happened when that date certain came. Now, let me just back up and say that if you or I were in the courtroom and the judge ordered us to do something within a week and that week came and we hadn't done it, they got a word for that. It's held in contempt of court. In other words, the judge said, thou shalt do this by such and such date. And he is issuing this judicial order. And let's say I don't do it. Well, then I got a legal problem, right? Well, guess what? The last reportage I got from my uh, uh, contacts was that, guess what? Yeah, you can guess. The date came and Omar the tent maker and Barney Five disobeyed the judge's order. They never produced the paper. They never produced the printed paper that had on it the trade secrets that they would present to a jury if this goes to a jury trial. So they're still dragging their feet. They're still running up the tab on Rotos and Riles and who don't yet know exactly what it is you're claiming we stole. And the court says, let them know. And they refuse or don't or whatever. Let them know. Now, this is not in the newspaper. This is not on Channel 20. This is on the Ward Scott files because yours truly was present in the courtroom and saw it with his own eyes and heard it with his own ears. I mean, and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong. If I'm lying, I'm flying. I don't even have a co-pilot's license. I'm, I'm, I want to be corrected. I want to believe that Omar the tent maker and Barney Fife did not do what I understand they did, and that's fail to obey the judge. Now, this has bigger parallels to it. Let's harken back. This all theft of trade secrets resulted in a surprise attack by, as you know the story, a heavily armed what? SWAT team. Who zip-tied and bullied and marched around and ordered people to stand there and this and that, one thing and another. You know that story. If you don't, well, it's way the heck out there in public now. Everybody wants to know how that happened. Now, it's been pointed out to me that there is practically no difference 
between the behavior of the local gendarmes here, i.e. GPD, Brian Kramer, who had they had to act upon an order and a judge had to sign off all this kind of business and the crashing into the Colliers International office without announcement and the crashing into Mar-a-Lago of Trump without announcement. So what is on the minds of people who are paying attention is what is going on with our innocent until proven guilty. It's become guilty until proven innocent and has resulted in the heavy-handed behavior of perhaps our local prosecutor will find out sooner or later this will come out. The only way it can really not come out, but we got a real sharp lawyer over on the side uh, who was getting ready to file and understand some more stuff. Uh, he doesn't lose. At least he hadn't lost yet. I'm not going to give you the name and everything, but but you can deduce who it is. Uh, what What is going on? Do we have to hire as individuals out of our private pocket lawyers to go confront the behavior of people who are supposed to be objective and professional and cautious about overreacting? Or we, have we just got a whole different playing field? And if we have a whole different playing field, what is our recourse? What can we do? How can we fight this? When they're so cavalier and they're so, well, so what? I mean, I've heard, I'm not going to take, oh, the governor doesn't have anything to do with me as state attorney. I heard that in my, with my own ears from our state attorney. Okay, I heard it. You won't hear it on Channel 20 because Channel 20 wasn't there. I was there. You won't see it in the newspaper. They don't know what they're writing about unless we help them. So I was there. I heard that. I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, are you kidding me? And that's a Republican state attorney. Well, come now before us. I like that phrase. A Florida state attorney whom you have probably heard about by now, whose campaign was financed by George Soros, who was removed last week by DeSantis for doing what? Picking and choosing whom he wanted to be heavy handed with and whom he wanted to let go scot-free out of really a personal ideology. Now, this is a gray area because there is a chain of custody of, a, of evidence from the very, and decision-making, let's be clear about something, from the very beginning. When you're pulled over, there's even a joke about it, you know, the blonde with the cleavage showing and the high hemline gets, gets away while the male has to go to the jug. But that's there's truth in that little joke in that when we're pulled over for rolling through a stop sign or whatever it is, at that moment, and evidently some of these guys who get shot and plugged don't understand this. At that moment, and it's totally at the personal 
decision of the law enforcement officer who stopped you, he can decide on his own without calling anybody else whether or not to let you go and say, ma'am, your hemline really looks great, therefore you can go. Or Mr. Athlete, well, we need you Saturday, so we can't afford to put you in the jug. You may go. I'll even escort you home. There's nothing really wrong, illegal, with doing that. When it is the, the, the decision-making starts right there. And all the way up the chain, it can be aborted or it can be emphasized, partially emphasized, de-emphasized, all the way up through supervisors, all the way up to the top. But when it gets to the top and it's taken to the courts and the warrants are issued, it has to come from the top dog. Now, this guy, Andrew Warren, in case you don't know, he's the son of Mike Warren. I know Mike very well. A good guy, AMJ Construction. Uh, Andrew Warren of the 13th Judicial Circuit, which is down around uh, Tampa, Hillsborough County, um, was removed from office by DeSantis because Warren vowed not to charge abortion patients or the doctors who illegally performed the procedure to terminate a pregnancy. And that's what raised the flag. And Warren made the pledge in June, just days ahead of a state law barring the procedure after 15 weeks was to go into effect. So the point that DeSantis is making here is a state attorney who puts his ideology over the rule of law is not satisfying their oath of office. Now, let's switch to, this, to, to Drotos and the state attorney. Let me suggest to you something. I'm going to say it again because you're only going to hear it here. Okay? You're only going to hear it here. The state attorney, as represented by Omar the tent maker, did what, as my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, I was there, disobeyed the law. Disobeyed the order of the judge, Kolal, and did not deliver as he was ordered to do by the judge the documents the judge ordered him to deliver. Now I got to follow up on this. I, I mean, I, I've just got to follow up on it because it it's interesting. I mean, come on, who are you kidding here? Whom are you kidding? And if this state attorney, who should have been there himself, but when Omar's there, he works for the state attorney, so it is the state attorney by proxy, disobeyed the law. I mean, if the judge's order is a law, I got to check that out. So there's something here, and I've been involved with prosecutorial misconduct before. Brad King in Marion County and Sheriff Blair. Let me tell you something about that. I ran a whole show on that when I was on the radio. I learned a lot about prosecutors and prosecutorial misconduct and perjury entrapment, tools that 
state attorneys who've gone astray can use. Now, this to me is very similar to the questions we're asking about Mar-a-Lago. So if Mar-a-Lago turns out to be much to do about nothing and a political witch hunt as the public already, well, it's already unprecedented. I'm going to get into that in a little bit. It's unprecedented. You know, it's unprecedented, unheard of. So I am focusing today on how does the individual fight the state? And if the president, the 45th president of the United States can't fight the government, who can? And if Barney Fife and Omar the tent maker, who represent Brian Kramer's office, don't have to obey the court and can get away with it, what happens? I've got to check out a couple things. I am told that that was never delivered. I've got to check that out. If that was delivered, then this whole discussion takes a little different turn. But I haven't heard anything contrary to that. But if it, were, if it had, was never delivered on time as the judge ordered it, then I don't want to know if there's a double standard, a triple standard, uh, if this whole business about uh, state attorneys and uh, uh, you know, ah, come on, brother. I mean, I wasn't born yesterday. This is this is a, this is a deal that I want to look into. Now, let me ask you some more things about this. Um, this guy Warren went on to say that he was elected to serve in the position and he was going to continue to do so. No, he isn't. Uh, there is literally someone else in that seat. There's a new acting state attorney. And uh, Christina Pushaw, who's DeSantis' director of communications, uh, said that uh, uh, this uh, Warren is delusional. He is, uh, he is, uh, he's, he doesn't understand yet how the law works. So I didn't know until, in fact, it's coincidental, because I was beginning to check around quite independently of this situation with Warren, uh, who to whom did state attorneys answer? And I was getting the answers from people uh, who said no one, but the people, you know, the state attorneys don't answer to anyone. And about that time, coming across my, uh, coming across my, uh, um, whatever you call it, news ticker stuff here that I get all the time, about 11 o'clock, I guess it was Friday, trying to remember now, was the information lighting up my communication system here that DeSantis had just removed the state attorney. Wow, I thought, how coincidental. I mean, I was just looking into this myself and I was wondering, you know, how, if it could, what <laughs> it worked. So um, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it, it, it is what I'm interested in right now. Hopefully I can... Uh, I get to the bottom of it for for you. It's um, it's uh, most interesting. Let's play something if we can. Production now is the time to play. If you would, sir, we got about a five minute uh, a deal here that I'm going to show you. It's going to be self-explanatory, and um, after it's over, I'll come out and 
and, and you know have a few comments, and then we'll go to our bottom hour break because it's about five minutes long, my friends. I don't know if you've seen it. It was sent to me by a member of the research team, which is vast and uh, uh, um, um, community composed. So one of the people who listens, watches the show, saw this and has been listening to what we've been talking about and emailed this to me. So I'm interested in your reactions. Uh, after we come out of it, I'll just have a brief comment. Then we'll go into our bottom of the hour break. When we come out of the break, um, I'll be interested in your reactions. So uh, I don't know if we'll need to open the phone line, but I'll look at the chat chat stuff here. Uh, can we open it from the studio, uh, Evan? The phone line? Okay. All right. We're going to show this to you. Sit back and enjoy. Is Hunter Biden a national security threat? That's not a question that would come up before me, uh, Congressman. You're the head uh, of the in, National Security Division, so it seems sort of on the nose. It's not in my practice or experience to identify individuals not in my and, and to We've label that any individual, an American citizen or any individual, as a national security threat. Well, you would certainly concede that if the adult offspring of the President of the United States or the Vice President were compromised, that would be a national security threat, right? We speak through our filings in court, uh, and we speak through our actions in in, in open court. Um, so I would okay, well, speak would to this. Where's the in, laptop? In that position. Do you know where Hunter Biden's laptop is? Again, I'm not going to talk about any potential well, ongoing you investigation know where it is? as I sit do here. You know where it is. I'm not going to talk about any ongoing you, you, investigation. You come here and you tell I us you follow here. the facts in the law, but you can't even follow a laptop that you guys have had for three years. We follow the facts in the law, and we speak in open court about our yeah, cases. but you aren't speaking about this. But you know who is speaking about it? The whistleblowers from the FBI who've gone to, to Senator Grassley and said that you guys purposefully take any information that is, that is derogatory about Hunter Biden and you go and rat hole it so that you never have to speak about it in any circumstance. But the good news is you're not the only ones with that laptop. So Patrick Ho was convicted of bribing government officials in Africa and he gave a million bucks to Hunter Biden. Are you familiar with that? I'm not going to speak about any ongoing investigation. I is can, that an ongoing? I can assure is that, you that an ongoing investigation? I can. I'm not going to. Patrick I'm not going to speak about any potential ongoing. Like, don't investigation. you see that that degrades the country's like belief in you guys when you have whistleblowers saying that you're purposefully rat holing this information and then you come here and say you won't talk about it? I mean, you know, inside Hunter Biden's multi-million dollar deals with a Chinese energy company, Washington Post, Matt Vizier. Chinese elite paid $31 million to Hunter and the Bidens, Peter Schweitzer in the New York Post. Hunter Biden's business partner called Joe Biden the big guy in panic messages. Do you guys call Joe Biden the big guy at the Department of Justice? So I think it's important to understand why we don't speak about cases outside of the courtroom. But, but, by, we, the we way, do that. by the way, the, we, we do I already that. know why. You know why you don't speak about it? Because it's about Hunter Biden. You guys have no problem leaking about other stuff, right? Like you got no problem going out and tagging parents at school board meetings as a national security threat. But when all of the facts and all of the law are before you regarding the corruption of Hunter Biden, you don't want to speak to that at all. And it's precisely why you've got folks that are talking to Senator Grassley about it. Bo High Harvest. So 10 days after Vice President Biden takes Hunter Biden to China, 10 days after this long toiling venture of Hunter Biden, they can't get off the ground. 10 days after they go, he automatically gets approved. So uh, for a deal in China with Bohai Harvest, like, have you guys looked into that? I'm not going to talk about any uh, ongoing investigation. Well, you know who else is talking? Tony Bobolinsky. Tony Bobolinsky told the world that Joe Biden was cut in on a CCP energy deal that was orchestrated by Hunter Biden. Like, have you guys talked to Tony Bobolinsky? 
Again, we don't talk about ongoing investigations uh, in settings such as this. So, so, so Joe Biden. Uh, well, okay. We, 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 how about this? We commit to a classified briefing on these matters. I'd certainly be happy to talk to you or any member of the committee about uh, matters of national security. Okay, well, but is I don't this talk a matter about, of national I do not talk, We do not talk outside of courtrooms about ongoing investigations. Well, is there an ongoing investigation of the annual fund dinner that happened where Joe Biden was vice president of the United States and Hunter Biden holds his fund's annual dinner at the Chinese embassy? And the, but in order to do that, in order to get the Chinese embassy to roll out the red carpet for Hunter Biden and to raise money for his fund, he had to go to the embassy 30 minutes before and have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the Chinese ambassador. Do you think it's possible that that meeting might have jeopardized national security? I'm not going to comment about any potential uh, or ongoing investigation. Well, here, here's the thing. It's pretty easy to see that Hunter Biden is compromised. I think every American knows that's a threat to national security. I think we're watching a crime spree in progress that Hunter Biden is orchestrating. And one has to wonder, like, what are the Chinese getting for the tens of millions of dollars that they're cutting the Biden family in on? What is the Chinese Communist Party getting as a result of cutting in 10% for the big guy? And it just I just happened to notice that, like, you guys canceled the China initiative that President Trump put in place where you focus talent on those things. You know, Jim Biden said to uh, Tony Bobulinski that the reason they're able to get away with this corruption is plausible deniability, and that is precisely the plausible deniability that you are that you are animating and exemplifying today. And you know what? Winter's coming. We're going to be in the majority, and then you're going to have to answer these questions for the country. All right. I thought we'd set. Uh present that to you that was given to me by a member of the research team who I thought was very interesting. Um, there it is. It's, it's plausible deniability is one of those uh, liar terms that uh, allows you to get away scot-free quite a bit. Uh, for example, let me, give you, let me give you one real good example where it happens all the time. Uh, let's say that we have a, uh, uh, well, it happened to me. Uh, let's go back when I was running uh, against a Byerly. And I was at that time I was a Democrat, God forbid, but I opened my eyes after that. And this is partly what opened my eyes. And I was running against Barley and the Republicans just said, we're not going to run anybody against you, Ward. Uh, we're all for you. And a heck of a lot of Democrats said, we're all for you. And so uh, away we went into the primary. Uh, uh, and um, all of a sudden, see, the Republicans could have voted in that primary since they didn't have anybody in the race themselves. They could have voted in that primary. Well, there was a write-in candidate put in, and that closed the primary. and meant it blocked, it disenfranchised all the Republican voters in the county. I mean, it's all this gobbledygook you hear about voters, right? They don't care about that. Voter suppression goes on all the time. It's all kinds of tricks to the trade. So that left me and Barley head up, uh, and he had the name recognition. I didn't really know what I was doing, but still I almost got him. But the point is, uh, when I went to the state attorney, who was Bill Cervone, I didn't go actually upset people who couldn't vote went. And he said, listen, Bill, this guy who was put in as a write-in doesn't even have an address. We rode by and looked at it. There's grass growing through the floorboards of the front porch. There's not even a dog sleeping on it. And um, and, and and so they said, Bill, why, why don't you prosecute this guy for um, 
a voter a beep. And he said, I can't because of plausible denial. He said he was going to run. He said he intended to run. Well, he didn't intend to run. He just intended to close the primary. Totally legal. Okay? Totally legal, my friends. Unethical? Well, we're not talking about the truth here. We're not talking about honesty. We're talking about winning. Winning. Don't be naive and think this stuff is pure as a driven snow. You do anything you have to do to win. And obviously, the federal government is against the people. I mean, they're covering up, wouldn't you think? I mean, most people think it. That they're covering up Biden and going after Trump. I mean, it's patently to the people growing increasingly unfair. And I'll get by to this, uh, back to this again in a moment after the bottom of the hour uh, appreciation for our, our donors and our sponsors. Be right back on the Ward Scott Files. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. On August 11, our restaurant Spurrier's Gridiron Grill will be celebrating our one-year anniversary, and we're inviting you to Celebration Point. Proceeds from the event will go to the Ronald McDonald House, and we'll have a spread of your favorite Spurrier dishes, as well as special guests, but you have to get a reservation. So go to Spurriers.com right now and reserve your spot before it sells out. And thank you for a super first year. Go Gators. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com. And click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. 
Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here. It's a hot one again today, 90 degrees. I kind of agree with my good friend Ted Yoho. I don't think you ought to say it feels like 101 when it's 90. You just say 90. That's what it is. Whatever it feels like is up to you. I mean, some people tolerate heat a lot better than others do. And, uh, we, you know, who knows what it feels like to them. But uh, anyway, we've had these intermittent thunder boomers. We had one in the middle of the night here. Uh, last night, it uh, brought a lot of lightning and booming, but no rain, ironically. Uh, we are got the final supermoon of 2022 is going to rise tonight, in case you want to look at that. Um, there's a meteor shower that's going to summer peak tonight. And meanwhile, the Americans are all across the country enduring scorching heat uh, with the record book heat in some places. Of course, that plays right out of the hands of the people who believe it's because of uh, climate change and uh and God forbid, an internal combustion car. So, um, you know, what can we say? Uh, there's 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 people bring all sorts of baggage to events that they, you know, I got to, you know, there's a great line at the end of Hamlet when uh, Fortinbras comes in and sees uh, all these people there on the uh, 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 dead king and the prince and the queen and all this. And he says uh, to Fortinbras, says to Horatio, who's the smartest man in the play, uh, where is this site? What he means by that is what's going on here. And Horatio answers with a line I've never forgotten. What is it ye would see? What is it ye would see? And it's the would see. I see there's a comment here by a good friend of mine who completely avoids, that completely misses the point of what I just showed about Gates interviewing this guy from Homeland Security and interjects that Gates is glorifying himself. It's got nothing to do, my good friend Jackie, with the evidence presented in the tape we ran, okay? Absolutely nothing. What is it ye would see? What did you bring to the event that I'll disallowed you to see that individual event as it was in its context. This is really where you draw the line and you've everybody left and right, well-meaning, ill-meaning, does it, it seems to me. For example, uh, there is, yeah, yeah we're, gonna open up, we're gonna open up the phone line, by the way, in case you wanna get in on this. Um, the the thing we're, we're, we're doing here is uh, this obsession with Trump. It is written about more and more and disclosed more and more. People get locked on. They get obsessions. And these obsessions like Gates of the left, you know, you know, this discolor ruin this situation because you're looking through glasses that haven't been wiped objectively. So when Horatio says to Fortinbras, Welcome. Is it ye would see. He's saying, how do you look at this? Well, the way Fortinbras answers is this site becomes the field. So Fortinbras is a military man. He comes in and looks at a domestic civilian situation and evaluates it through military glasses. Okay? That's the way people are. 
So it's disappointing when you see it in the highest levels of your government. When you see it in this obsession that the swamp has with Trump. Now, I'm going to go through this as Daniel Hanager's thoughts. But I'm going to go through them with you. Um, for the 99.99% of the U.S. population, isn't this interesting the way he begins his comments? The last thing on their mind the other night was Mar-a-Lago. Everybody else is going to the restaurant or going to the, I don't know, the bridge meeting or whatever. The last thing on their mind preoccupying them was Mar-a-Lago. What was preoccupying them was inflation, crime, the dysfunctional battles of Congress, um, the misnomers given to bills that are really tax and spend rather than save and, and, and promote uh, you know, well-being in the, in the economy, uh, the, the massive live fire possibility of military exercises around Taiwan. Nobody under on God's green earth, according to Henninger, I agree with him, even had a passing thought about Mar-a-Lago. So everybody, when this happened, was shocked. I can tell you the shock that hit my phone. My phone lit up when it was learned that the Justice Department and the FBI, among all these things that are on the American public's mind, was raiding Trump's estate. And um, there you go. Now, the applicability of the Presidential Records Act, that it had to be about something big involving classified documents, all that stuff, Henninger writes, including a former president, is above the law. They're all beside the point. That's not the point. You hate Donald Trump. That's the point. That's the point. You hate Matt Gates, as this one person cited. It's got nothing to do with the behavior of the Homeland Security guy avoiding answering questions. These, this is human nature. We gotta get above it. We gotta get out of it. Why would you criticize somebody when you practice it yourself? But Trump was elected the 45th president of the United States. That over the disbelief of all the people who hated Trump. Now, Consequently, Henninger says that no former president who was disliked, and many were, Clinton was disliked, even Reagan was disliked, even FDR was disliked, ever had his home invaded by the FBI. His home. And even a guy like Henninger, who is not given to extremisms of prejudice when he looks at something. That's why I pay attention to him. You know, he doesn't come with uh, what is it he would see. He takes a look and looks at it and then concludes what it is rather than look for what he wants to see in it. So here we are. With this spectacle, and Henninger's point is, how do you think China looks at this. How do you think Russia looks at this? Putin, how do you think he looks at it? He sees us, does he not? Isn't it reasonable to see this as destabilized and vulnerable? Is that reading into the event too much? 
If you were Putin and you looked at this and you said, wow, they just busted into the former president's house. What would you think? How would you view it? How would you evaluate it? So are our opponents not licking their chops over the global risk reward ratios of this? When we're doing this to ourselves, the swamp, the deep state, the establishment, the regime, whatever you want to call it. Henninger uh, says that this raid on the former president's residence is pushed by the swamp and the rest of us are going to suffer their political debris. And here's the thing that I've been learning. I learned from Ted Yoho. I learned it from being there. I learned it from friends I know who worked in the State Department. Washington, D.C., my friends, is a very small town. Very small town. I have a friend who worked there in the State Department who was in the social world of the State Department in Washington who never left the place, who now has a very handsome retirement, because he served the deep state. And what becomes of this place, it becomes inbred by profession, by marriage, by schools, by cultural disposition. And this was the status quo, my friends. Henninger says, I've said it before, but Henninger says it. Our phone line's open, by the way. You want to chime in? Henninger says it. Until Trump came. And when Trump came, wow, did that deep state crank up its machinery. You had the Comey-McCabe FBI, opposition Democrats, the press, the Russian pawn story, the Steele dossier. And the press published and continued these stories day after day after day based upon anonymous sources that turned out to be unreal. Trump fires the FBI director, Comey, and we get Mueller. Mueller, oh my God, where did he come from? He was, as Henninger says, a Beltway Central casting. He's been hanging around D.C. forever in this incestuous culture, drawing a check, they called him up and said, hey, what are you doing? Oil ain't doing much. Well, how about you do something and we'll act like it's a lot. So he goes to the Mueller report. And the end of that, and like the impeachments and everything else, is practically nothing. You almost had to wake the guy up at the end of the report. He was so bored with his own self. Then you get pencil neck, bug eyes, Adam Schiff and Fat Jerry Navy. And you get their blatant lies and contortions. And so along comes a guy who never even gets out of his basement, who never even appears in public, campaigns mostly from his house in Delaware. And we're asked to believe that that was all above board. And guess what? Nobody is going to hear the evidence contrary to that. Does that make you wonder? It makes me wonder because I just sat through 
Judge Kolaw's court. And I saw this happening locally. It makes me wonder. Now, we all have reached the conclusion, and this is probably, well, this is what the Democrats, and I agree with Hanager, have been after all along. If they can't terminate Trump with extreme prejudice, and that's a, that's a phrase that my good friend here from Vietnam would recognize. If they can't terminate him with extreme prejudice, they can render him um, in, ineffective, um, sterile, or so much damaged goods that even the people who like him and support him are afraid to, because they, they know that if he goes back in, the deep state will just crank it up even more. Crank it up even more. So, to that extent, all this stuff by the Democrats, this abuse of federal power, promoted and sustained and paid for by the deep state, is working. It's working. Even somebody, Henry points out, like Andrew Como is speaking out forcefully against the Mar-a-Lago raid. Well, there you are. That's Henniger. Now, Henniger is pretty fair and pretty objective. And I I got to tell you, you're always able to redeem yourself in my my eyes. You come and say, well, I didn't understand it. I I stand corrected and, you know, please forgive me. I, I got no problem with that. I mean, I mean, I, I, I got no problem with that. It's the people that won't listen, that dumb themselves down with their own obstinance. You just got to just write them off, really. But what do you do when they get in a big crowd? You can't write them off. They're running everything. They're running the Justice Department. They're running the uh, uh, Department of Defense. They're running FBI. They're running the media. They're running the academic institutions through federal funding. Here's something that's pretty interesting. You've heard this, gobbledygook. David Rifkin and Lee Casey say that Trump cannot be disqualified over documents. See, one of the things they're trying to do is render him. He can't run for office. He's going to be disqualified for office. Okay, so they got a a many pronged attack. So Rifkin and Casey say that a warrant under which federal agents searched Donald Trump's Florida home hasn't been made public, but the press leaks are suggesting that it was related to the former president's suspected mishandling of official documents. So that has led to the speculation that what their Garland and these people are up to is uh, prosecuting him under a law governing the misuse of federal government documents, which then includes a provision for disqualification from federal office. This is probably what they're up to. They want to, this makes the most sense of anything I've been able to find in my research. If we can find, who's to say they won't plant something, by the way, if we can find something in our search, you know, for the needle in the haystack, if we can find this where he's misused 
federal government dollars. Never meant Hillary Clinton. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind that. That's a different. That's a, she's a member of the deep state, so she's immune. Okay. Never, if we can find that he misused federal government documents, then we can find him. We can disqualify him from federal office. But uh, Rifkin and Casey say that won't work because of statutory and constitutional grounds. But you have to remember, as Ted Yo and I said yesterday, the deep state and the left doesn't care about the Constitution. I mean, they, don't, they wish this Constitution would go away. Now, presidential records, according to Rifkin and Casey, are traditionally considered the former president's personal property. Congress has acknowledged this in the Presidential Libraries Act of 1955, which encouraged but didn't require ex-presidents to deposit their papers for the benefits of research and, and histories. Um, then, so th 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 there you are. I mean, it, you know, that's their work. And I had a lawyer contact me and say, if there's anything in there that is um, um, uh, the, the president decides, the president has the power to decide what is protected information. Congress doesn't. The president is the commander in chief. So um, the Presidential Records Act of 1978 addresses the handling of later president's papers. And this asserts government ownership and control of president records and requires the archivist to take possession of these records when a president leaves office to preserve them and to ensure public access. Now, there are some exceptions. Um, uh, some of these have been commu uh, confidential communications. They're, they are, have exceptions. And some of the communications between the president and his advisors have exceptions. So, um, you know, this is not the slam dunk that these people think who are trying to get Trump, who are obsessed with him because he's such a danger to their way of life, which is totally protected by all of them because they're part of that way of life and have been so all of their professional days in that, in that small town of D.C. Um, the, um, the Constitution, Constitution forbids, uh, with respect to the presidency, um, uh, assuming the government could prove beyond a reasonable doubt, they have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Trump deliberately mishandled government documents knowing as he did this to be a violation of federal statute. And this is a very, very difficult task. Since the uh, PRA itself, the preservation of these documents, it's uh, act itself guarantees his access to his presidential records and former presidents are generally entitled to receive classified information. A court could not disqualify Trump from serving as president. A court is not going to be able to disqualify him from running for president. So the only qualifications for election, according to the Constitution, the only qualifications, natural born American citizens over 35 who have been U.S. residents for at least 14 years may serve. The Constitution, the Constitution uh, also provides the only mechanism 
whereby an otherwise qualified person may be disqualified from becoming president. And this penalty is imposed by a separate vote of the Senate on someone who has been impeached and convicted for high crimes and misdemeanors. They tried this. They tried it twice. Now, they have a proposed application of Section 2071B to the presidency that would create an additional qualification. The absence of a conviction under that statute for serving as president. But Congress has no power to do that. So there you are, my friends. And this has got a long history to it. It's got a long ruling and support by Supreme Court. Incidentally, which the deep state hates. Uh, they, 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 cannot, they cannot stand the Supreme Court. It is something that is a real irritant to them. So I have been researching this for you. I pass it along to my students in this class for you to use as you want. I encourage you not to be like that, what you criticize, and that is only see what you want to see. Examine the situation, each situation for its own merit, and see if you can come to a conclusion based upon that evidence. This is something I encourage my students to constantly do. It's something that I impose upon myself. I only speak from the documents. If I opine, I'm opining from the documents or from the experience. I'm opining right now about what I saw in Kolos court. I will stand corrected, believe me, and revise my observation if I am given different information from which to reach a reasonable conclusion. Have a great day. A Warthog Command Center out.